Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 3rd. Right off the bat, I want to apologize for the microphone difficulties. Uh, Some days my microphone just doesn't want to cooperate, and today seems to be one of those days. But with that in mind, we did not want to leave you listeners high and dry because what a week of tennis we are experiencing this week on both the ATP and WTA Tours. You look on the WTA front, we've got the Premier Mandatory in Beijing, the China Open, which has featured so many thrilling results, leaves us in a really good place heading into this weekend for to be able to see some very entertaining tennis. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the guys in Beijing. I also want to talk about the guys in Tokyo this week for the two ATP 500 events. And then, like we say, it's the biggest storylines, results, and controversies. Let's talk a little storyline and controversy at the end, but Always got to start with the tennis and the place I want to begin today. Let's start in Beijing with the women, as I mentioned, the premier mandatory event going on there at this point. And one of the reasons we've been doing these podcasts later, so much of the play happens on the East Coast from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. So if we record at 9 p.m., we're really missing a full day's action. So we're, again, apologies for the uh, late release, but it allows me to show us where we're at heading into Thursday night, heading into Friday morning's action And boy, are we about to see some very fun tennis. We'll start at the top of the draw where number one seed Ashley Barty reminding the entire tour why she's one of the top players, if not the top player in the world, how she got to this number one ranking. Her this weekend, a 6-4-6-2 winner over Putin Seva to reach the round of 16, and then a 6-3-6-7-6-2 winner over Zhang, who had knocked off Sloane Stephens 3-1 and the round before even more fascinating in the quarterfinals. Now she's going to get number seven seed Petra Kvitova, a 6-3-6-3 winner over number nine seed in U.S. Open semifinalist Belinda Bencic. I mean, Kvitova has been come on really strong of late. I believe she made a final last week. Now she makes the quarterfinals here after knocking off Mladenovic 4-4, four and, four, and as I mentioned, Bencic 3-3. Three and three. I mean, that's tough sledding, and she hasn't dropped the set yet, so that speaks to her level of play thus far. I think we're going to get a really exciting match between her and Barty. I mean, two players who, you know, Kvitova can smack the cover off the ball, but Barty likes to play some offense as well, so whoever is going to get the aggressive footing in that match, probably the player who comes in. You have... <laughs> Would you say Kvitova comes in in better form? Probably, but it, it, again, we're going to be treated some, to some great tennis. So that's our first quarterfinal, and honestly, it's an embarrassment of riches. It keeps on going, gets better and better. Uh, we have in the next slot and the top half of the draw, number three seed, Alina Svitolina, 7-6, 7-6 winner over Wong in, in the round of 32. Then in the round of 16, she knocks off number 15 seed, Sophia Kennan, obviously coming off of a title herself. Uh, Svitolina, 6-3, 6-7, 6 Three winner there. I mean, for Spitalina, you know, 
Kennan's been playing as well as anyone on tour, so for Svitolina to grind that win out, especially after last week, she lost early in the event, just didn't seem to have her legs under her. It speaks to the fact she's been able to raise her level of you know, Svitolina was a U.S. Open semifinalist as well, so we all know what she's capable of on the hard courts, and she's going to get a chance to show it in her next match as she takes on number eight seed Kiki Bertens, who advances to the round of 16 with a 7-6-6-3 win over Yastremska, then knocks off Herzog yesterday, 7-6-2-6-6-3, Kiki Bertens, the 2018 Cincinnati winner, so we know what she's capable of at this level. I mean, she's another player. We have, what is it, the number one seed, the number seven seed, the number three seed, and the number eight seed on the top half. That's literally holding seed. Uh, that is the players you want if you want the best players, the best matchups, the highest seeds. We're going to be treated to that this weekend in Beijing. So super excited for Svitolina Bertens. Uh, a lot of World Tour final implications in this match. For Svitolina, you look at her, yes, she's the number three seed here, but you're looking in the race to the year-end finals. Svitolina right now sitting at number 7 in that race, 3,995 points, 290 points ahead of number 9, Belinda Bencic. Uh, right now, the people who have clinched their places, Barty, Pliskova, Halep, Andreescu, all for reasons that make sense. Uh, so it's really a, a wide open race to the finish. Kvitova right now, number 6. We talked about her earlier. So Kiki Burton's right now, number 10. Uh, so huge implication. So just add that to the mix of another reason. Not only are we treated to great matches, great players, but high stakes as well. We would, I'm sure these players want to make the year-end final. So you know a little, little bit of extras on the line, and that's why we're excited to see Svitolina Bertens, t- uh, I guess, tonight, tomorrow morning. Not sure exactly how it's going to be scheduled, and it really depends on where you're listening to this from, but going to be very good tennis. And then it's amazing that we talked, you know, Barty Kvitova, great matchup. Svitolina Bertens, great matchup. The matchup of Friday, Thursday night, Friday, in Beijing tomorrow. Number five seed Bianca Andreescu, who knocks off Mertens 6-3-7-6, then knocks off Jennifer Brady 6-1-6-3. Who does she take on next? Number four seed Naomi Osaka. So again, one, three, four, five, seven, eight, all advancing to the quarterfinals. But in Osaka and Andreescu, we have winners of what the last three hardcourt majors. We have two of the most, if not the two most promising young players on the WTA Tour matching up here. Osaka coming off of a title in Japan, uh, coming into this event in strong form. Bianca Andreescu, as we remember, uh, I, don't, I can't even tell you the last time she lost, but I know it was quite a bit ago coming off of that Toronto title, coming off of that U.S. Open title. She's rounded into form here. I mean, this is primetime television. If you're not watching this match, if you're not all in on this, I, we, we need to discuss your tennis fandom and why you should be in this because you're just missing out. This is going to be such a high-quality match. As I mentioned, Andrescu already qualified. Osaka, number five right now, and she's about uh, 700 points ahead of number nine, Bencic. But, I mean, she gets a win here over Andrescu. And regardless of the fact that you know, she didn't win the U.S. Open. I mean, how is she not going to be feeling good about herself going into 2020? Even if she loses this to go off a title and then make the quarterfinals here, hugely impressive. But, I mean, this is the rivalry we <clears throat> we all want. We want to see this moving forward. Yes, Osaka, about two and a half years older than Andrescu. But still, these are two of the most promising young players in the game. And <clears throat> this is what it's all about. 
high stakes, high rewards. It's going to be a fun match. And then our last quarterfinal, a little bit of a change of pace. Not, I don't think anyone would complain that we get to see number 16 seed Caroline Wozniacki, one of you know the best players of the 2010s decades on the WTA Tour. Actually, a little sneak preview, given that the decade ends in December. We're going to be doing best of the decades pod. So if you have thoughts on you know best players, best tournaments, best matches of the decade, don't be afraid to start sending those in. But you know, for Caroline Wozniacki, for her to get a 1-3 win in her first round match over Lauren Davis, then she beats Christina. Mikhail Forno knocks off Sinyakova 7-5-6-4 to reach this quarterfinal. I mean, that's a huge result for her down the home stretch. And you look at her in the year-end race where she's at. I mean, Caroline Wozniacki has not had a good year by her definition. She's sitting at number 43 right now in the live ATP or in the live WTA race to the year-end finals. I mean, it's a huge result to get this quarterfinal at the end of the year season to have you know you're sitting on these points when you struggled a lot earlier in the year. It's huge. And then for Kasakina, I mean, talk about a different story. Kasakina, uh, you look at where she's at. She's this the 22 year old number 67 right now in the live uh, WTA race. But you look at her wins here this week. She knocks off Shui Pong uh, two six six four six four. Knocks off Sabalenka, who won a title last week four and six. Then knocks off Alexandrova, who I believe made a final four and three. I mean, she comes in in dangerous form. And uh, the year end is when we see so many young players making pushes. You know, Osaka and Drescu obviously are the headline young names, but Kashikina is another name to throw in the mix. So many talented players right now, ages, we'll say 17, so I don't forget Amanda Nisimova. I mean, of course, Coco Golf is even younger than that, but she's in her own category. But players 17 to 22, 23, that, you know, I was born 1995 to 2000 range, that little span of that decade. I mean, those players are rounding into form right now. They are hitting their physical primes. They are starting to become experienced on tour. And Kasakina is just another case of that. So again, a really, really exciting weekend in Beijing at the, at the, you know, the premier mandatory, just to recap one more time. Wozniacki versus Kasakina, Osaka versus Andrescu, Bertens versus Svitolina, Kvitova versus Vardy. Mm, that's tasty. So really looking forward to that. And I, again, I, I'm sincerely uh, hoping we get some fun matches out of it because there's high intensity, high pressure, and these are the names we want to see. So hopefully we as fans will be uh, rewarded and treated to just a fantastic weekend of tennis. But with that in mind, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's move over now to the men's side. As I mentioned, not only is the women's event going on there, uh, but we, of course, also have the men's ATP 500 going on there as well. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1. G1 at newbalance.com. You look at the draw there, we are all set heading into our quarterfinals where we have number one seed Dominic team um, taking on Andy Murray now. Look, could I spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes, maybe even an hour just by myself talking about how Andy Murray's looked this week and what I like, what I don't like, how thrilling it is just to see him back on court, all of the mannerisms, the complaining, the yelling at himself, the subtle fired up, but not really the every time he changes directions, you get a, oh, 
grown from him. That's always been a staple. He hits his racket on the ground to try and turn directions. Is is he slicing the backhand a little bit more? Yes. Is he going after the ball a little bit more, moving forward a little bit more? Also a yes. But most importantly, it's just been so exciting to see him play. And I feel like I started out there with a load up on number one seed Dominic team to his credit, a four and one winner over Gasquet, three and three over Zhang. For Andy Murray, you know, he knocks off Berrettini six and six, then he knocks off Cam Norrie seven six, six seven, six one. You gotta wonder how much legs he's got left in the tank. Uh, Dominic team is going to push him. This is by far his toughest challenge back on tour yet. Um it's just so exciting to see him back out there. And obviously, hopefully his best tennis is yet to come. Hopefully we get the chance to see even more Andy Murray moving forward because a healthy Andy Murray leads to a healthier tour. I mean, there's no doubt he's one of the game's greatest competitors, one of the game's greatest champions. And hopefully we're able to see, uh, you know, am I all in for a 2020 Andy Murray reboot? Let's say he defends his gold medal, wins a third straight. Would that not be a 30 for 30 Cracked Rackets documentary worth exploring? You're damn right it would be. So yeah, I'm going to be rooting for Andy Murray and it's been great to see him back on court, but he's got a real battle now with Dominic Team, So that's a really fun quarterfinal. We've also got on the top half of the draw, number four seed, Karen Kachanov, who I apologize, Karen Hachanov. You know, I have to emphasize that Kachanov as a Michigander. It's Karen Kachanov. Um, he's he's in survival mode right now. He's sitting at number nine in the live rankings. But you look at him in the ATP race to the year-end finals. I mean, he is. And again, ATP race, that's just this season. So rankings, it's over two years race, just a singular season. If you look at Hachanov Kachanov right now, he's number 20 in the race. So he's got the Paris Masters points to defend uh, coming off of a title there last year. His ranking is in jeopardy, so it's huge for him to get a 2-6 and six win over Cuevas, 6-6 six and six over Shardy. I mean, you look at his overall record on the year, it's still nothing special. I think he's now 24-21, and 21, uh, but he, he, you just want to get some confidence because obviously this season didn't go as he planned. I'm sure he expected to have the Daniil Medvedev season and not vice versa. Um, but he he's trying to salvage it. He's trying to you know make the most of it. And it's great to see him make a push here. And he's going to have a very winnable match against number six seed Fabio Fognini, who advanced in three sets over Kukushkin, then knocked off Andre Rublev six three six four. I mean, it's going to be a shot. There's going to be some hard hitting in that match. It's going to be some very nice shot making for Hachanov. It's Kiachanov. I don't know why I'm saying his name correctly now. Um, it's can he. Weather the storm. Can he put consistent depth, consistent pressure against Fabio Fognini? Not get Fognini, excuse me, not get um, overwhelmed or frustrated when Fognini goes on winners, uh, you know, goes on streaks of just brilliance. Just stay the course. So really fun matchup there. Again, we're treated to great tennis just throughout the weekend, and that's just another match to put on the list. Another one near the top of mind, not a Labor Cup rematch, but a guy from Team World against a guy from Team Europe. The Labor Cup boost seems to be working at this event, at least, as we have John Isner, a three-set winner over Monfils in his first-round match, then 7-6, 7-5 over Dan Evans, taking on Stefano Tsitsipas, who in his 4-6-6-3-6-2 win over Basilishvili yesterday, probably put together his best you know performance since before Wimbledon he seems to finally uh, be playing a little bit better hitting the serve a little bit more confidently moving in just it's it's gonna be a fun match with him and Isner obviously when you play John Isner very clear you just gotta make returns gotta make Isner work a little bit more have to make your first serve 
Uh, so that's going to be a really fun match. But again, for both of those guys, you look at where Isner's at is, you know, so much of his year uh, dealing with injury and whatnot. He's still at number 16 in the live ATP race uh, to the year-end finals. And for Tsitsipas, he's at number 6, right? And so he's got an about 800-point lead over number 7, Roberto Bautista Gut. Perhaps more importantly, he's got about a 1,000-point lead, 900, what is it, 95, over number 10, Alex Zverev, who is really number 9, given that Kane Ishikori will not be playing. Uh, I think he's out for the rest of the year. Um, but, yeah, there's implications. Just Tsitsipas wants to be at that year-end finals. He, you know, he saw Zverev win it last year, and he's like, why can't I do that? So uh, always implications going into the weekend. And then our last quarterfinal, Slam and Sam Query, making a little run at the end of the season. 7-6-4-1 over RBA, retirement in his first match. Knocks off Diego Schwartzman, 7-6-6-7-6-3 in a really fun match last night. He's going to take on a number two seed, Alex Virov, who I know we're only two matches into this tournament, but this has got to be the best I've seen him play in quite a bit of time. 3-2 and two over Tiafo in his first match. Now 6-3-6-1 over FAA in his second match. I don't think anyone forgot what Alex Zverev is capable of. You know, I would never accuse any listeners of that because it's easy to get frustrated because we've seen him win Masters events. We see him win a year-end final. We see him come through in a moment like the Labor Cup, and he's young, he's tall, he's handsome, you know, so much talent and everything he does. Uh, And yet, still mentally, we haven't seen him make a big breakthrough, and it's going to be will he make that breakthrough at the slam. That's really the litmus test because he's done so much else but he's got a year-end finals to defend, and he's, as I mentioned, number 10 right now in that race. He needs to make a push. He clearly is a little more confident. The serve seems to be a little bit better for him. You look at these last two matches, um, and, I, you know, I'm trying not to go in-depth on too many of these since it's just me, but he made 70% of his first serves against Tiafo, only three double faults in that match. 69% of his first serves against FAA, only two double faults in that match. I mean, if he finds confidence in the serve again, look out ATP 2 because it's Alex f***ing zero. I mean, we know how good he is, so nothing changes just because he had a little bit of a rough streak earlier uh, this year. But again, to recap the quarterfinals there, Team versus Murray, Hachana versus Fomimi, Isner versus Tsitsipas, uh, Query versus Virev. And it was funny because before I get into our next tournament in Tokyo, kind of a little bit, I don't want to call it a Twitter tiff, but a nice Twitter debate with one of our favorites, Paul Timmons at Paul T. Tennis, about the difference in the depth, uh, the field quality in Tokyo versus Beijing. Obviously, as I mentioned, Team Murray, Hachana, Fognini, uh, you've got Zverev, Isner, Query, and who was the last one? I can't believe I just said it. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's a it's a high quality field. Oh, Tsitsipas, of course. It's a high quality field, and there's no denying that. And obviously, the the seeds held on a little bit stronger there than they did in Tokyo, but. I mean, Tokyo looks pretty good to me. And this is the point I was trying to make is none of those guys I mentioned, Zverev, Fotonini, Tsitsipas, it's not like they're coming into this Beijing tournament in particular good form. Now, they've had probably better 2019 seasons than a lot of these guys in Tokyo. But Hachanov as well, you look at it versus the top half here where we've got Novak Djokovic, who's won in straight sets his two matches, taking on Luka Pui, who was, I believe, was that this year? I can't believe that was earlier this year. A semifinalist at the 2019 Australia. And open himself uh, straight set went over Hubie Hercatch in his first match, then over Nishioka one and two in this last match. I mean, that's going to be a very, very, very fun uh, 
I think it is actually an Australian Open semifinal rematch. And look, if you give Luca Pui time, uh, he can hurt you. He's got weapons off of both wings. But obviously Novak Djokovic, when healthy, still the best player in the world probably on a hard court. So that's going to be a really fun match. And then we've got number three seed David Goffin, finalist at Cincinnati. Uh, fourth round before he got, I think, blown out by Federer uh, at the U.S. Open. But a 1-6-7-6-6-0 winner over Paulo Carreno Busto, who won the title last week. Then he knocks off Denis Shapovalov last night, 7-6-7-6. He gets one of my favorite matches of the weekend against Hyun Chung now, who won 6-4-3-6-6-1 over Chilich after knocking off Sunego in three sets. I mean, this is awesome. This is everything we look for in these sorts of matches. So to have Hyun Chung, who's won a couple of challengers since he's come back on tour, now rounding into form, uh, get his real first big test against David Gelfin, I'm all about that. That's going to be a super fun match. A lot of baseline, long rallies. I imagine that one's going to get physical. So we'll see for Chung, who's played two three-cent matches thus far. How do his legs feel now that he's back on the ATP uh, tour? But you look for Hyun Chung and where he's at at the rankings. Just for any of our listeners who are wondering, when are we going to next see him get back into that top 30 range? See him, you know, certainly at Masters events moving forward. Uh, Hyun Chung right now. Currently ranked number. See, this is half the fun when my internet goes bozos. I gotta find Hian Chung right now, number 120 in the live ranking. So working his way back towards that top 100 slowly but steadily. And then our bottom half of the draw, we've got Riley Opelka, the American, who, you know, New York Open champion, knocks off Fognini first round of the U.S. Open. We all know what he can do when he serves well. He's going to take on Uchiyama. Um, and then we've got John Milliman, who knocked off Lloyd Harris, is going to play Taro Daniel. Um, as I, I didn't mention this, but in Uchiyama and Daniel making the quarterfinals, it becomes the first two Japanese players to reach the quarterfinals at this event since 1972. Uh, and... Obviously, that's a huge moment for Japanese tennis. It's such a cool thing to see both Uchiyama and Daniel succeed the way they have this week. Uh, the bottom half of Tokyo, if you're going to make the argument that it's not as strong a draw as Beijing, is obviously what you point to. But that's more a product of upsets. That's more the fact that Opelka, that Uchiyama, Milman, Daniel have all played well enough to knock off the seeds or the higher-ranked players. And it speaks to the parity right now we see in the players ranked. I don't know, 20 to 60 right now and two are all pretty interchangeable in my opinion. And I think this has been a very good uh, time to see that. But with those results in mind, as I mentioned, news and storylines, we never really talk in depth. So I want to give you guys a quick rundown of what's going on in the tennis world. First off, give me some sort of news storyline sound effect, please. All right, let's go through these real quickly and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Rafael Nadal announced he is not playing Shanghai. Now, obviously, for Nadal, who has won the U.S. Open, had as good of won uh, the Masters at Rogers Cup event. Uh, he's had a great year. He, I don't think he's got much left to play for. But what's notable about it is it definitely gives Novak Djokovic the inside draw to finishing the year ranked number one. So just a little thought for you guys there. On a college tennis note, the ITA All-American individual event will be broadcasted live on Watch ESPN and ESPNU. No, listeners, unfortunately, I don't believe I will be doing any of the commentary there. But ESPN, if you need a guy, I know someone who uh, knows a little bit about college tennis and I like to think can be entertaining during a broadcast. Plus, I know a great color commentary guy for that initial broadcaster guy. He's old. Um, 
but I think I can get the best out of him. But that's a story for another time. Really cool to see college tennis get that sort of notoriety. Obviously, the big news, uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor in California, signs a bill to allow college athletes to make endorsement deals and sign with agents. Now, for tennis, the reason that's particularly relevant. So many guys in college who have pro aspirations to play pro tournaments throughout the year. They have Wilson, Nike, Adidas, Head, Babalot, whatever sponsorships to their names. They have to give those up when they go uh, to college if they don't have to do that at certain places. I mean, you talk about because it's just California right now, not that USC or UCLA needs it, but that's a huge recruiting advantage. But it's, it's a sign of things to come, right? We don't know the exact implications. We don't know how the NCAA is going to enforce you know, if California can do it, what about all these other schools? There are a lot of uh, branches and entanglements that this law gets into, even beyond tennis as well. But just something to note is, uh, you know, we're circling that storyline as a thing to watch and discuss later on in the year. Uh, back in, then two more player notes before we end. Ryan Harrison uh, had successful surgery on his torn extensor tendon. Obviously, we haven't seen much of Harrison this year, but hopefully he's able to get healthy, get back to uh, in form in 2020. And then Amanda Nisimova and Carlos Rodriguez make it official. Carlos Rodriguez joining Anisimova as her full-time coach, according to IMG. I mean, the talented Anisimova, yeah, uh, you know, so heartbroken about the loss of her father. And I know I speak for tennis fans everywhere where we want to see her back on the court more than anything. You know, happy, successful, all of these things. But she had an incredible 2019 season, and it's, you know, it's something to build off of. And to see this arrangement, Carlos Rodriguez highly regarded by many in the coach world. It, it's good to see. You know, I, I think we are going to see Amanda Nisivmova back in action and as strong as ever come 2020. But with that in mind, if you've missed any of the action, you know, just me isn't enough for you. You need a, a healthier tennis podcast fix. Be sure to check out our website, crackedrackets.com. On the podcast note, uh, GSPY still the Labor Cup Award show if you're missing that. But we've got a couple of fun things planned moving into the future. Correct interviews wise, we went on a bit of a college bender these past couple of weeks, or at least this past week. Uh, um, Estella Perez from Arriba, the NCAA women's singles champion from the University of Miami. Keegan Smith, the NCAA doubles champion from UCLA, had them on the podcast to talk NCAA titles. Um, you know, going back to school this year, expectations for the season. Obviously, did an incredibly fun mini break earlier this week with Coco Vandeweghe and Vicky Duvall talking all fun things. You know, uh, I, I can't even get, I, there's too many topics to discuss, but trust me, listeners, you won't want to miss that. And then, of course, you know, players in, on depth, Bethany maddox Sands, Steve Johnson, Mitchell Kruger, Jensen Brooksby, Sebastian Corda, the list goes on and on and on. If you want to hear those, be sure to check out this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. And again, we want to hear your comments, so comment on at Apple podcast for my comment on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. We want to hear from you, but with that in mind, a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, as always, who have a f***ing editing job to do. And boys, you know this, hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's what you're worth to us. So, you know, please never leave me. But with that in mind, for our super producers, Fligner and Westhoff, and from our entire teams at both the Tennis uh, Tennis Channel Podcast Network and Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.